0: welcome to the hoop collective podcast we talk about the nba which we are doing on sunday evening joining me from austin texas is kirk goldsberry the number one cartographer in the nba
1: <laughs> thank you brian it's good to be here how are you
0: good very good uh how is your uh your teaching going this semester
1: uh we we just started we're two weeks in at the university of texas um the kids are doing great. The learners are, are being great. Uh, like a lot of people, Brian, we're stuck teaching over Zoom, uh, which is not optimal, but we're trying to make the best of it, just like everybody else around the country. And uh, so far, so good.
0: What is your What is your reputation as a professor?
1: Well, it's uh, it, let's just say it's not great. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I don't know. I like to have a conversational class, a uh, little serious talk, a little fun talk, and obviously a lot of numbers talk so hopefully the the kids get something out of it
0: this is kind of our unofficial front office podcast because we've got kirk who was in the spurs front office uh, and of course joining us from naples area florida is bobby marks who 20 plus years in the nets front office bobby i I could see you teaching a class on the side i could see you um teaching at uh, florida gulf coast
2: yeah, I'd be teaching biology there <laughs> or marine <laughs> studies or, you know, what my focus right now in is I've got a big JV basketball finals game for fifth and sixth graders on Monday night. I have not beaten this team in, in two tries this year. I've lost three times. I've uh, lost by a total of six points. And uh, that's my main focus besides, of course, watching the NBA right now is this, this grudge match between St. Anne and, and Royal Palm Academy. So, are you going to
0: employ some sort of secret defense or something? Can you know you what? That?
2: I'm going to go to a, I'm going to go to a, a triangle and two. I don't even know if that's even exists. Or I'm going to put two guys on one <laughs> How guy. Do How do you tell? Well, How well, do you tell when kids at age are playing triangle he, two? They have one player who scores all the points. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put two players on him, and I'm just going to go to triangle defense.
0: <laughs> that's what Nick Nurse would do. Um, We'll talk about uh, Nick and the Raptors later on. Um, So uh, I'm trying to decide, Bobby, whether Tuesday is a big deal or not. Um, As I've talked to executives around the league over the last three to five days, they keep bringing up Tuesday as a trade day because it is the re-aggregation deadline. Can you explain what that is and whether you think it's an important day or not?
2: Yeah. If, uh, if players are traded by Tuesday, which is, is February 2nd, um, then they can be re-aggregated again, meaning combined with salary, um, you know, on the March 25th deadline, uh, any player after that, who is traded on February 3rd or February 4th. Uh, they can be traded, but they just cannot be combined with, uh, with, with salary here. We've, um, you know, players in the past, uh, there's really only been, and I, and I sent you guys the, the note on that, the, the George Hill trade, I think it was from 2018, uh, the George Hill trade that went to – he went from Cleveland to Milwaukee. There was the Milwaukee-Washington-Cleveland. one i getting Cleveland, the Bucs' um, first-round pick, which I believe was sent to Houston as far as that the part of that – She that, traded um, it for, Jared did, yeah, for, for Jared Allen. Yeah, for Jared Allen. That's the loan trade. If you go back in the database, that was on the date of when uh, the deadline for contracts re re aggregated. So, I think it's a milestone date. I think it's a team that a date that teams look look at and and have circled on their calendar. Um, I don't I don't know if we're going to see a lot of action here. Um, As I've said, there's only been one trade, I think. I went back to 2016. There's been one since 2016, and it was the George Hill trade.
0: I think it's kind of – okay, so let me be careful here. I don't don't think it's completely bogus, but I think it's a tactic. And I'm not saying that Daryl Morey invented it, um, but Daryl was the first guy that I remember making it a thing in a trade. In other words, one of the things that you can do when you're in trade negotiations – is you create a false deadline. Obviously, there's real deadlines. The NBA draft is starting at 8 o'clock. That's when the team's on the clock. You're on the clock. It's kind of a deadline. The trade deadline, 3 o'clock on this year, March 25th. Is it still 3 o'clock this year, Bobby? I don't yeah.
2: know. Yeah, yeah okay
0: That's a real deadline. Every other deadline is kind of bogus in my mind. And I remember there would be various players that Daryl would try to trade, and he was a master, still is a master at – in my mind, sort of manipulating situations. He's, people give Darrell a lot of credit for um, manipulating um, or, you know, using stats and, and analytics. Yes, he obviously did a lot of that. That was 15 years ago. Since then, I think he's been really effective in manipulating trades and also manipulating contracts. That's where his, his expertise has really shifted, in my view. And uh, Or at least he's not he's not a unicorn in terms of analytics anymore. There's a lot of teams doing that. Um, And he would used to do this. He would say, well, if you want to trade for our guy, you might want to trade for him by, I remember in a normal year, isn't it sometime in January, like January 5th or something like that? Or it's the calendar is off this year, obviously, but it's normally sometime in January. And it was a way to sort of create a thing. And, and by the way, his, Daryl now has a, uh, a tree of uh, executives who worked for him, who now work for four or five organizations. And, um, Kirk, guess who's one of the teams that is letting everybody know, you know, that February 2nd date's an important date. We may do some business specifically with P.J. Tucker. Now, the Rockets are playing very well right now. So they they may not... um, be as so is interested in doing that and touching their team, but PJ Tucker, I've heard you know name his name out there. I've heard Daniel House's name. Uh, at least some teams doing some research on Daniel House. I don't know how available he is, but I've heard some teams um, poking around on him, doing background stuff. Uh, Kirk, do you think this? Uh, do you think that means anything? Um, the Spurs never did midseason deals, but just in general, do <laughs> you think that means anything?
1: I don't know. I, when I think at Houston. I don't even know if they know who they are right now. They've had such a whirlwind season as a team, as you alluded to, Brian, just a week ago, I guess Friday, January 22nd, they woke up and they were four and nine uh, and it didn't look good. And now they've won five games in a row. Their defense looks great. They've had some big wins against the Mavs and the Pelicans and, you know, some of their players look really good. And and to your, to your larger point, are they buyers or sellers? I think that's the short-term question the long term question after the sort of dust has settled on the james harden trade is what is this team's ambition what is their what is their long term vision for this group of players are they buyers or sellers this year but the larger question are we trying to compete with this old Depot group right now uh, with with boogie and with with these guys playing so well, I mean, you're on a five-game win streak. They could very well win their next two, two, three games and be right in the playoff picture in the Western Conference. Um, that said, they do have some very interesting trade pieces, none more interesting to me um, than, than P.J. Tucker, who's just one of those guys that if you're competing for a championship, you want him on your team. He's so good uh, as a role player. They don't come around too much. You can totally see this guy um, helping a championship team on both ends of the court. Uh, in key playoff moments. So fascinating team to watch, but yeah, I, I think, I don't even think they know who they are right now.
0: Yeah. Because PJ Tucker has been frustrated with his contract. Um, you never know into the off season I and mean, maybe he resigns. They have his full bird rights, you know, whatever, but PJ, but PJ, you know, he may be a guy who walks on you at the end of the year, Bobby. So, and obviously he has some value. The, the, the word on the street that I heard that, that has been floated is his value is they either want a first round pick or three seconds, which I've never heard that arithmetic done, but um, uh, three seconds. Um, I think that's probably because, as I, I wrote a couple weeks ago, there's 15 teams that are somewhat impacted from trading firsts, and eight who can't really trade any um, sort of narrows the market. And most of the, most of the competitors, most of the teams that are playoff teams this year uh, are not, are encumbered from trading their pick. Um, the teams that are not are uh, Philly, Denver, Toronto. Um, maybe there's one more. The rest of them can't trade. So the, obviously you're not trading for PJ Tucker unless you're trading for him for the playoffs. Um, I don't know if you're getting three second round picks, but a stranger things have happened. Um, and who knows? That could have just been one team and it got to my ears or whatever, but that's, what I heard their their they're asking price has been is they've had some conversations. Um, Bobby PJ's not had the greatest season. I think he's been a little disgruntled, but obviously he is a part of the defense that's been playing so well that's gotten them back to five hundred.
2: Yeah, I mean he's the the rare guy that's you know hasn't missed any games over the last you know three or four years. You kind of what you see is what you get. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to get. Um, first round picks for guys like PJ Tucker for, you know, guys like Derek Rose players, like who are in, you know, who are on these expiring um, on these expiring contracts here. And that's that you're right. What you said about the seconds that's you're going to be hearing seconds a lot. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's just the nature of the beast as far as even teams like Brooklyn that doesn't have first round picks to trade, you know, they've got a, a bunch of f- a future seconds of, right. from other teams that they can move in, in deals here. Um, so I don't, I, and especially where the the draft's going to be in 2021 and in, in 2022, um, I think it's going to be hard to pry first round picks from the teams that do have, um, the, the you know, the, the 15 that have picks left to trade.
0: So another team that, uh, you mentioned Derek Rose, that's an interesting name for sure. Um, I mean, maybe not by Tuesday, but uh, certainly by the deadline. Another name that I think is wide out there on the market is J.J. Redick. Um, Redick is now, for the moment, out of the rotation in New Orleans. He has not played well and not happy and wants to be traded. Um, would really like to be traded to the Northeast, um, where he uh, his offseason home is in Brooklyn, He'd love to go to Brooklyn, the Knicks, Boston, or Philly. Uh, that has been communicated out there. It's been known for a, a week or two. Um, and uh, Stan Van Gundy, partially because J.J. has played so poorly and partially because there's been a, a push from you know, the organization to get their young guys, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, and Kyra Lewis, their first-round draft pick, to get those guys playing time. Frankly, Stan Van Gundy's just stopped playing him. So... JJ would be a guy who I think is going to get moved eventually. I don't know if he's a re-aggregation candidate, but it may force some level of of action. Um, Bobby, do you see any of those teams? Boston has a trade exception where they could fit JJ Redick into it, coming back from the Gordon Hayward uh, trade that the sign and trade that they made. I don't know. If, I don't know if JJ Redick is is the type of player you want to use that on, but they could do it. I don't think Brooklyn needs more offense or needs more shooting. Um, I didn't see the score of their game, the final score of their game tonight. Right when we started, they just finals. lost, guys. Uh, Brooklyn yeah. lost to uh, to Washington.
2: They lost one forty seven, one forty
1: six. Westbrook's revenge. That Brooklyn defense. <laughs> that Brooklyn defense, man. <laughs> so, I, I do. I don't think you needed JJ Redick there.
0: <laughs> um, I did. I did. Um, I did watch uh, some of this game um and the defensive scenario for both teams i mean brooklyn brooklyn just they just they're, they're just messing around to try to get the ball back they just just give me the ball back um but uh westbrook was having a huge game tonight uh, let's see where it finished um uh 41 yeah. bradley beal bradley beal had i think had six had maybe 20 in the fourth quarter uh, this yeah, game. he finished
2: with 35.
0: Yeah, I, he pretty much didn't do anything the first half, just sort of stood around. And I think he had 15 points after after three quarters, In 15 his, or 16.
1: His body language did not look like a man who wanted to be playing basketball tonight. Uh, and then well, he comes back and has a big fourth quarter.
0: Then he, I think, sniffed that they could win. And um, Brooklyn's defense, you know, they, Brooklyn tries to win games, 145. 140, and sometimes they're going to lose 147, 146, and that's what happened tonight. And in this particular game, uh, oh, wait a minute, it's not over yet, Bobby. Anyway, um, the Nets don't defend. They, They seem to think that defending isn't important, and we've talked about that before, and they don't seem to care. And Durant had 37, Joe Harris had 30, Kyrie Irving had 26, Um, and they're still going to lose. And uh, and Jeff Green had 23. They're still going to lose. And that's just not an acceptable thing to do, especially against a team like Washington, who came in 3-12. and That's a broken record, Um, whatever. Uh, Anyway, J.J. Reddick doesn't help them, right? Um, And so is there a trade for J.J. Reddick to either today or by March to any of those teams, Bobby?
2: Well, I mean, I think it it depends on you know, with Boston, with that big trade exception, you know, that thing is going to be there on March 25th. Can you get something better than JJ Redick? And it's going to be there on, at the end of the season, right? It's not, it's not a use it or lose it types scenario here, where if you don't use it by the deadline, it just goes. It, it's not like the disabled player exception where you don't use it by a certain date. It just goes away. You know, Danny Ainge can break it up and use some now and, or you can use, some in the offseason here, and it's a matter of does he want to roll the dice and go after JJ Reddick and, you know, take 13 million off it? I, I think when you look at Brooklyn, I mean, especially
0: since JJ might get bought out if they can't ex- trade ex- for him. Ex- why would exactly. you? Exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. Why would you want to use half of it on him? Um, you know, the, the other team is, you know, certainly Philadelphia, where he's played and he was there for two years, and you've got to get up to, I think, yeah, you got to about $10.5 million in salary to send out. And so you're looking at guys like, you know, Mike Scott, um, Tony Bradley, right? Just kind of placeholders. They've got a a couple, they've got some seconds that you can buy. What does that do for New Orleans? Yeah. What does a three for one deal do for guys that you want? Nothing. You don't want, you know, you would rather, you would actually probably rather just do a a buyout, (laughs) you know, unless you're going to get a couple good seconds here. So, you know, those were the, you know, some of the teams that are mentioned. We said Brooklyn. I mean, basically it'd have to be the Dinwiddie contract. And what does that do for the, you know, that doesn't do much for the Pelicans there. They're not going to probably not resign Spencer, who's got a player option here. So I don't see anything right now when it comes to, to Reddick with, with those, those, uh, those, those um, three teams. Kirk, does, uh, does Dinwiddie have
1: value in a trade? It depends on on the medical. I think I think the the guy's obviously a talented player, but you know you need to know where. But he, he
0: can, can opt out of his contract. You know. Yeah, so.
1: and and between these two, there's two giant sources of uncertainty there, right? So. I, I don't see it unless – and Bobby Bobby could answer this better unless there's some salary cap strategy uh, on why he might. Well, I mean
0: – so, okay, let's just say for the sake of argument that Brooklyn really wanted J.J. Reddick. Let's just – I don't think the trade makes sense, but let's just say if it could. They could trade Spencer Dinwiddie and a second-round pick for J.J. Reddick, right, Bobby?
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that that's the
0: type of trade they could do. I would not use that asset. Um, uh That would lower New, – New Orleans is kind of close to the – um luxury tax threshold that particular trade would give them more space to do another deal and get them a second round pick. Um, plus there's always a possibility that Spencer picks up his option or you have his rights. If you want to keep him. I could actually kind of see that trade, but I just can't see it from, from New Orleans standpoint. I couldn't see it. F- you know, if you're going to use, if you're going to use Spencer and, and draft picks, it's gotta be for a guy who can defend. Um,
2: well, and, and you know, it also does for Brooklyn. It, it once it, Dinwiddie's traded, it eliminates the disabled player exception that they have for him. Uh, you know, that five point right. seven million dollar number. That's a good point. That was the big, and that was a big thing. That can you can you use the exception and then trade him? Yeah, you can so use the exception and then trade him. Yes. So that's what you would. That's yes, what you would that would you want? And that was you know when you talked to the people around that you know organization, it's like you know when they did the Harden trade. It was, hey, you know, Dinwiddie wasn't involved in the deal. And, you know, we still have, I don't think the exception was granted at the time or was about to be granted, but we still have that exception to, to use because he's still on our roster. By the way, in this uh, Nets game,
0: the Nets were ahead by five points with 12
2: seconds to go. That must be the magic number in games, right?
0: <laughs> Didn't and they, we see that in, in Portland, Chicago? That's right. Chicago? <laughs> that's right. Uh, and they lost by three. I'm going to say that again. The Nets were ahead by five with 12 seconds to go, and they lost by three. That's hard, guys. That's really, really hard to do. And then we said last night, um, Dame Willard, the, uh, the Blazers were in Chicago, down five with 10 seconds to go. That took two ridiculous Dame Willard shots and a crazy jump ball. But this was even more lopsided than that. And Bradley Beal hit the first three with eight seconds left. So they cut it to two with eight seconds left. But let me just say something else. Bradley Beal had 22 points in the fourth quarter of this game. And the Nets allowed 48. 48 fourth quarter points. Now, Harden was out of this game. Understood. They still scored 146, even without James Harden. Got to get a grip. Got to get a grip.
2: Well, you, right? you know, it's going to be interesting. And we'll, if you want we'll to go watch the video here and I, and I said it the other night, Doran, and I, I even texted, we, with you, we, with you, Brian with, with Steve Nash and it wasn't really a critique, but like, I've never seen a guy not call timeouts at the end of games and basically just let these guys play. Probably cuz
0: when Nash was a player he hated when you yeah. guys called time out. So like, I like, I've the point guard, I'll run it. Yeah.
2: So Beal hits the 3 with, with 8 points, 8.1 seconds and then Joe Harris turns the ball over at what 6.8 and I don't believe he had Nash called the timeout to advance the ball because Westbrook's 3 came at 4.3 seconds. So turnover I guess in the in the in the backcourt re- results in a at Westbrook 3 where you know could Steve Nash have called a timeout to kind of advance the ball there?
0: I don't know. I'm, I just, I mean, we are in a new era, the NBA. One of the things I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older is never make assumptions on things. You know, I'm learning about things every day. I'm learning about, uh, you know, about the, the changing nature of value. For example, that was a big lesson in the last week. Um, I don't want to say that a team that plays zero defense cannot win. But my instinct, Kirk, is that a team that plays 0 0 defense when it matters cannot win, and they can't afford. I still think they can make transactions. Bobby, you mentioned they have four or five second round picks. They have that $5.8 million trade exception. Uh, I'm sorry, disabled player exception. They have Spencer Dinwiddie's contract. They have, even though I know they just signed Amon Schumpert, from what I understand, that's a non guaranteed deal. Yeah. Um, They could. They still have three roster spots they can use. There will be buyout guys. Um, They still have, in my view, three or four transactions to make. Those transactions got to be for guys who can defend. Got to be.
1: They have to be. They're the worst defense of of any of the contending teams, and it's not close. I think they came into tonight twenty-fifth in the league in defense. They give up nearly 150 in regulation to a team that's three and 12. Where Bradley Beal, their best scorer, who's an amazing scorer, is, is having a moment there in the first half. Yeah,
0: that's that, going to get papered over. But Bradley Beal basically stood around.
1: Yeah, in the first half, and and, and they that still will now be top score one fifty. It's not. It's yeah. It's it's crazy. And and to the point about Reddick, it's like that's not what they need. They don't need a guy who could shoot threes. They need a guy who could protect the basket and rebound, um, and, and make plays on the defensive end. The stat that I always use when this comes up is every NBA champion since 2002 has ranked 11th or better in defensive efficiency. Uh, They're currently 25. So either they're going to break that trend and make me rethink value, as you say, Brian, (laughs) on the defensive end and how championships are won and that's very well possible, but I don't think so. I think I'll go with history. There's too many good teams that are competent on both sides of the ball for a team that's playing this bad on defense to come and take it away uh, from teams like the Lakers, who are a great 2A team, or Philly, or the Bucks, or the Clippers that are out there with a, n- no shortage of superstars there either, but good defenses as well.
0: For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So that's um, interesting. I remember uh, when the Heat lost the 2014 finals, 4-1 to the Spurs. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember being in the, um, in the locker room post game in the heat locker room, which was a, a, an amazing locker room Uh two, two guys retired in the locker room, Shane Battier and Ray Allen. Ray Allen didn't like officially retire, but, you know, stepped to the, to the very line of retiring. And he in fact did retire. Um, but after that, announced his retirement, which we all knew was coming. Um, he said, I kind of knew this wasn't going to happen for us this year because we were like 14th or 15th in defense. And if you're not in the top, if you're not in the top 10, you're not winning the title. And we were, we were lying to ourselves throughout the season and, and, you know, finally caught up with us. And, um, you know, he was right then. And I I believe seven years later, he's still right, but Mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, Going back to the Rockets though the Rockets have all of a sudden started to defend in the wake of the Harden trade. Um, and they traded for Oladipo and Oladipo has been up and down offensively. He had a great game the other night against Portland, but he has been part of their improved defense. And after the game uh, it was on TNT um, and there was an interview with the, uh, with the studio folks after the game, which those have always, <laughs> this year, those have created some fireworks and, um, Oladipo was talking about uh, playing is, you know, what it's been like to come to Houston. And he mentioned uh, how he feels like all the teams that he's been on in his career, this is his fourth team. He said, "Um, going through my career, it just feels like people keep quitting on me, but it's just a part of life and I embrace it. Now this was viewed as a, a shot right across the nose of the Pacers. Um, but he's not just talking about the Pacers. He's also talking about, I assume, the Thunder and the Magic. Um, Hearing that, Kirk, do you you think that's a fair thing to say? Is it fair to say the Pacers quit on him? Um, You know, I I think the strong vibe was that he kind of didn't really want to be an Indy long-term, and I think they took an opportunity to trade him before he could walk on them, but... I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: I think I agree with you. I think that was the vibe. That there was there were some rumors out there, uh, but getting traded probably doesn't feel great. And he's experienced it a few times. Um, and you know, he wakes up again. Houston got to start over. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he's a really good player. He's still 28 years old. Um, and to back to the earlier point, we don't know what Houston's trying to do. He might be on the move again. He's probably going yeah, through. So- Uh, an emotional time in his life
0: yeah so the word on that is when they did the trade um they were going to see how it went for 15 20 games and then reevaluate and that was the deal that they made and they pretty much rafael stone pretty much said that but he didn't quite say it that way but um Bobby, is that your understanding, too, that he might he might have been available again later on, but they were going to wait and see. And the way things are going, I think they're probably pretty happy with it right now. But
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you it's almost like an audition period. You, you get a kind of a sense if, you know, keeping Old Depot past the season and it's going it will cost you, you know, to to, to retain him. Um, you do have his bird rights here, or do you want who do you want to maybe try to flip him again? And we talked earlier about kind of re-aggravating, you know, his, his date is March 7th. If he is combined with other salary here, you know, two weeks before the, the, the trade deadline. Um, I think that's, that was a big, um, sense when they did all these trades was that they didn't want long-term salary to come back. They didn't want the Torian Prince's contract or the Karis Laverts that they wanted to kind of use the, the you know, two week or the two months before the deadline kind of as that um, the, the audition. And, you know, it's funny, you know, looking back on the Wall Westbrook trade um, that happened, you, you know, when the deal happened, you had that sense where, you know, the Wizards had a little bit of an advantage because of, Wall was hurt. You didn't know when he, you know, if he was healthy, he'd been not playing for two years. And and what, what's happened is that there's a sense of, you know, players in, in Houston, they all got a chip on their shoulder, right? I mean, they got, you know, from cousins. Even to, even
0: Christian Wood, who got yeah. a big $40 million contract, he's got a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. He, he said that he, you know, he got cut in training camp last year by the Pelicans, and he had a big game on Saturday or uh, Saturday against the Pelicans. And he goes, yeah, I haven't forgot they cut me.
2: <laughs> and I even think he mentioned Griff by name. <laughs> he did. He did. Which he, yeah, by so the way,
0: he got cut. He got picked up by Milwaukee, and he got he got cut twice before the yeah. Pistons got him. I, I can't remember who cut him first, Milwaukee or
2: the rare double claim. <laughs>
0: right. He got he got cut and claimed twice in the same year. So um, it's not like uh, you know they were the only people that didn't believe in him. And, you know he got his forty million, but whatever.
1: Uh, well, he's averaging you, 24 and 11 and, and he's bringing out energy and skill to that front court in Houston. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a candidate for maybe most improved, uh, this year and, and, and the Rockets, they kind of have this brand now to your guys point, there's a chip on a shoulder in Houston. All these guys, you know, are, are sort of fighting for their futures and, and maybe it comes together there. Uh, Jay Sean Tate is also a nice fun young player too. I like that team. Um, so I think they, sh- they should still to, to, your point, Brian, wait and see what happens here uh, before they make any rash decisions. Cause they might've stumbled into something.
0: Right. Um, well, anyway, we'll see, you know, we'll see if Tuesday brings anything or not. Um, uh, you know, there's also been rumors about um, uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, Lonzo ball trade. I mean, that's not secret. That's sort of been out there. Um I don't a hundred percent. I see it from Golden State's perspective. Um, it's been interesting to see whether that develops. Uh, you know, the, the the Pelicans have struggled, um, especially defensively, and um, there's some belief that they may be making. You know, not some belief. They've they've shopped their guards. They've shopped Bledsoe, Lonzo, and uh, and Redick. Um, you know, one of the places that in addition to Golden State, that you think of Lonzo, one of the places that you think of Lonzo as a possibility, although I don't know about by Tuesday, um, that I've heard out there would be Chicago, if Chicago might have interest there. Um, But we'll see about that. Um, Lonzo just had a spectacular game on Saturday, one of the best games he's had this year, if not the best. It'd be an interesting time to trade him. Um, The Pelicans are underachieving. And there's a couple of teams out there that are underachieving. And I wanted to kind of go over them with you guys and see whether we think there's serious concern or look, we're 20 games in, you know, it's not the end of the world. They're going to be fine. Uh, The first one I want to bring up is Dallas. Now Dallas has lost um, five in a row. They are all the way back in 13th place in the Western conference. Now they have had, Porzingis has missed some time as he recovers from knee injuries. They were hit by uh, COVID, uh, lost, uh, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of key players tend to that. Um, but they have just not at all performed, even when they've had their team perform the way that we thought they would be. I mean, there was a belief, and I was one of the people that believed it, that they were going to be rapping on the door as possibly even the third seed behind the L.A. teams. Mm-hmm. And maybe they will. Uh, Donchich just put up good numbers, but he didn't come in in shape. And Bobby, when I was talking to some scouts this last week about Dallas, one thing that they said was they don't, they just don't play hard. They don't play hard. And, uh, Carlisle has pounded away on the defensive thing. He's tried some tricks like, uh, defensive player of the game and stuff like that. Uh, he hasn't been able to motivate them defensively. And, um, I watched them play almost their entire game against Phoenix on Saturday night, playing Phoenix again uh, Monday, Um, and they couldn't get any stop. Chris Paul just totally tore them up down the stretch. Um, Should Dallas be worried, Bobby?
2: Yeah, I I think out of the teams that we'll talk about, um, I don't want to say a five-alarm fire, but that's the team I have the most concern in. You mentioned about playing hard. I mean, in the last five games, they're 30th in defensive efficiency. Oof. Um, last 10 games, 28th. Um, the, I think the telling stat is in the first quarter, right? Point differential is a minus 11.4 that they're getting outscored. That's just, uh, which is a huge, huge number that they are basically playing catch up from the get go. Um, you Know the the, uh, the Josh Richardson, um, Seth Curry trade. I mean, and Rich and Richardson's been in, you know, he was basically stuck in Denver for two weeks in a hotel room, so yeah. Um, you know, you go, you want to go out and get a kind of a, a defensive stopper. Um, you know, your defense is now ranked last in the, in, the, in the end, in the end, or towards the end, and your offense that which, which at one time was number one is now kind of, you know, is, you know, 21st, 22nd in the league. So there is a, you know, there's the, the trade-off is just not there um, that you've had. So yeah, I would, I would be concerned and, I'm just in the middle of writing my big my big trade guide here, and I wrote some notes about Dallas here. And you know, you don't have a pick to trade, right? We've talked about it as far as yeah. Uh, hello,
0: trade. New York Knickerbockers. They have the Dallas Mavericks unprotected pick, which we were like, okay, I'll be in the twenties. But wait a minute.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait
2: that's, a minute. That's that's looking lottery right now, and you have you've got a collection of outside of Luca and poor, you know, certain poor Zingas, if he can stay on the court, I said he was the X factor. You have a, a collection of nice role players, right? You've got two guys on expiring contracts and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. and James Johnson, about $35 million. And then after that, you have, you know, the Maxi Cleavers, the um, Willie Cauley Stein is Dorian Finney Smith, nice rotational guys, but you don't have a blue chip, guy to go out and, and get another player unless it's unless it's poor Zingas. so I, i'd be concerned i mean your next four games is phoenix atlanta and two against golden state i mean that's that i mean you're going to need to probably go three and one there i would think
0: are you worried about him kirk
1: yeah and i'm not going to give away the other ones we're going to talk about but this is the one i'm most worried about for one simple reason brian that's the western conference right. is, is unforgiving there is no room for error, and it's an unforgiving season in itself, but you can't have rough patches uh, in the West this year. There's just not enough time, and there's too many good teams. I mean, you look at the 15 teams in the West, maybe you can pick out two or three that that are likely not really pushing for the playoffs, but the East is a different animal, and that's going to come up later. But a season ago, Dallas wasn't just the best offense in the league. They posted the best offensive efficiency in, in league history, right. and they had this young phenom, and they gave the Clippers, you know, way more than a lot of us expected. Um, they didn't turn it over, and they shot the ball really well. Tim Hardaway was shooting it really well. Seth Curry was a big part of that, um, but Tim Hardaway's come back to earth a little bit, and now they're the least efficient three-point shooting team in the NBA. Three of their most four-active three-point shooters are shooting less than thirty percent, and that's Luca who's starting to get a little attention for not being able to put the ball in from the three-point line. Porzingis hasn't been good. And Josh Richardson, the new three and D guy isn't exactly bringing the three Boy, Seth
0: Curry. Uh,
1: Seth Curry's him. incredible. Seth Curry is one of the most interesting player development stories in the last five years in the NBA. A guy could barely get a 10 day. Um, you know, gosh, maybe it's about five years ago now New Orleans, I think gave him an early one. Uh, and And now he's, he's, emerged as one of those reliable shooters in the league shocker right i mean look at his family but um, there was a time when this guy couldn't even get a league but yeah they missed him Um, but you know with them too brian it's weird because at the exact same time 2020-21 season we expected this group to ascend and you you alluded to that three seed four seed luca was the favorite to win the mvp coming into the season and they have done the He's opposite. He's putting up
0: good numbers, but it's they're a little bit misleading.
1: Yeah, and they're they're eight and twelve. Let's be real. Uh, they're eight and twelve. And as Bobby said, that number one offense in the league last year is now nineteenth. Their defense actually started okay. Now ranks twenty first. I'm worried.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Another team
0: is Miami Heat. Uh, they are thirteenth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they did get a win. Jim, Jimmy Butler. He missed a bunch of games in the very early part of the season because of an ankle injury. Um, Then they were hit with uh, COVID. Jimmy was particularly hit hard, um, missed 10 games, uh, and really suffered the effects of it, and lost over 10 pounds. Uh, Did finally come back Saturday night, and surprise, surprise, it made a huge difference for the Heat. Um, they, uh, they end up only beating Sacramento by one, but they badly needed it. And Jimmy had 30, 30, uh, 37 and eight, uh, in his first game back, uh, Bam has played, has played pretty well, had some moments, um, but they're seven and 12. And, uh, I mean, they've been, you know, Dragic has been hurt. Um, uh, they, I mean, they've, they've been really, really banged up and affected. And so I think they probably have the biggest, um, uh, you know, I guess what you call it, you know, asterisk. Uh, Tyler Hero is back. He missed a whole bunch of games uh, with a neck injury. He had 15 points. Um, probably the biggest asterisk because of their injuries, Kirk. But, I mean, again, they're in 13th place, 20 games in. How worried are you?
1: I'm pretty worried. I'm not too worried compared to the Dallas one. I, I think, you know, after getting to the finals in the bubble, they had a 71-day offseason season. Uh, they, they had the shortest turnaround in league history, along with the Lakers. Uh, but they've been the most disappointing team in the league. Why? I think their offense has really fallen off a cliff. They rank 26th in offense. And, um, you know, they have to hope that Jimmy, who, who you said, is, is going to help him turn around. There's reason to believe he can do it. He's missed 12 of, I think, 19 games. Um, their defense is pretty similar to last year's. Their opponents are, I think, hitting threes a little more. Uh, but the big red flags are on offense, and most specifically, Brian, it's been turnovers there. Uh, turning the ball over has been atrocious and just cost them chances on the offensive end. And I love Bam Adebayo, uh, but he's been a problem with that. He's turned the ball over too much, and Goran Dragic has, has turned the ball over a lot. Um, and then you, you look at another sort of sneaky loss in this offseason. was Jay Crowder. Uh he yeah. he he was he was a good shooter for them. Now they still well they dunk. replaced
0: him with Mo Harkless and Harkless just they took him yeah. out of the rotation. He just hasn't he hasn't done well. And uh the issue there was you know, they they wanted to protect cap space and so they gave all these guys one year contracts. Myers Leonard one year contract on an overpay, nine million. Goran Dragic, what did he get, Bobby? Twenty? Uh
2: eighteen and uh two for thirty-six. Yeah, right, but don't only the first year's
0: guaranteed. Yeah, team
2: option on the year 2.
0: Um, uh who I got, you know, Harkless got a 1-year deal, or Avery Bradley got a 1-year deal. Bradley
2: got a player option, right? Oh, um, he got a player option. Yeah, I mean it's funny Brian, it's like the the Avery Bradley Mo Harkless combination equals what Jay Crowder got in um in Phoenix. Right, so um, but, but, but as you said, they did not want to go pass this year because they were they want to preserve you know cap flexibility. Right. And I think I
0: I in fact I know that what what did Jay get as a starting number in uh, in
2: Phoenix? I think he got the mid-level which was nine two five. Okay.
0: I'm fairly certain that the Heat offered him more than that nine million dollar number on a one year deal. I know they offered him more than nine million dollars on a one year deal. Try and do the same thing they did with Dragic and Myers Leonard which is let's buy your let's find a number where you're comfortable with just taking one year because they want to protect the cap space. And Jay was like, at this point in my career, I need a, I need a multi-year contract. And, um, you know, the thing about it is Jay's, but Jay was just on a really fair contract and, you know, probably below market value as it kept going. And as a result, he kept getting traded. He got traded from, uh, Boston to, uh, Boston to Cleveland, to Utah, to Memphis, to Miami. Right. I think I have that right. Yeah. I'm gonna bet that in this three years, he probably is gonna get traded at least once because the contract is 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 attractive and he's the type of player that everybody wants—a three and D guy who's a good leader. Um, but that's why they just couldn't keep him, and you know they tried to replace his numbers. And I actually thought Harkless
2: was a good signing, but he just hasn't it hasn't worked out yet. Uh, Bobby, are you worried about the Heat? Um, I'm more concerned. You know, the the interesting thing with with Miami and looking at some notes today is that they've played 19 games and they've had 14 different starting lineups. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the lineup of Bam Butler hero, um, Oh, I, you know, Linick and let's say Duncan Robinson has played three games together uh, as three st- has started three games together. And it's just been, you know, it's either been COVID related or injury related, you know, Avery Bradley's played eight games. Jimmy Butler's played seven games. You know, we might see hero go into the quarantine process again, because, I think what was it, a roommate tested positive for COVID that might've exposed that might've exposed him now. So we might see him on the shelf for a little while. I, I think the next five games is going to be interesting for Miami. They've got Charlotte, Washington twice in New York twice, right? So maybe they can get some, their footing back with, um, you know, certainly with, with Butler back on the court, but when he's, when Jimmy's, you know, healthy and he's there, you do have a, kind of that you know, a comfort level, although, you know, you had a you won by one point against you know a Sacramento team that's won a couple of games, um, mm-hmm. you know, before they played. But, you know, 105, 104 and and really had to kind of squeak it out there. But as Kirk said, their offense, you know, your their defense is kind of right where they are. But, you know, their offense, the last 11 games is 28th in efficiency. Jeez, you know, that's that's that doesn't do good things for you.
0: Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. By the way, just to real quick to go back to the Nets because uh, I just saw this stat. I hate to do this, but I can't help it. Uh, this is from StatMuse on Twitter. Um, since the hardened trade, the Nets' offensive rating (points per 100 possessions) is 122.6. Wild which would be the greatest of all time, breaking the Mavericks record from last year. Their defensive rating since the Harden trade is 119.9, which would be the worst of all time. So really what you are seeing, and I realize it's only like been eight games or whatever, small ass sample size, get it, get it, get it. They are playing the best offense and the worst defense of all time.
1: If you like points, watch the Brooklyn Nets, folks.
0: And they've scored over 140 the last two games. So, um, all right, the last team I wanted to talk about, um, Toronto Raptors. They did win today. They beat the Magic. Uh, the Magic are really banged up. Uh, and they lost Aaron Gordon in this game to an ankle injury. Um, they've actually uh, achieved relative they, – they've actually done, in my view, okay, considering everything that's happened to them. Um but um, so they did win today, uh, but they are eight and 12. And, you know, this is a team that I still viewed as a top four team in the East uh, coming into this season, even though they lost uh, Serge Ibaka, uh who was a key player for them. Marcus Saul too, but, you know, I feel like Gasol, He like was a factor in like one out of every three and a half games last year when he was a factor, it was good, but that wasn't a comparable loss. So maybe they take a little slide back, but um, Pascal Siakam who had 30 points, 10 rebounds today has been an issue. Uh, Aaron Baines, who I thought was a good signing has been terrible for a lot of the year. Um, They've also been, been banked up with injuries. There have been times where Nick Nurse is just stitching together guys out there. And, of course, they're playing in Tampa, mm-hmm. um, where their, their quote-unquote home game was today. Um, Bobby, where are you at on the Raptors? Um, offensively, they've just really, really struggled. And I think they're a candidate to make a trade for an offensive player. And they said, said they can trade their first-round pick. Um, where are you at on them?
2: Well, it's kind of like an all or nothing type team, right? I mean, they are a home running, hitting three point shooting team. Um, I think they're in, in a, overall in the league, they're second in points generated from three um, first and three point field goal attempt um, kind of towards the bottom and free throw attempt here. Um I always have a concern with, you know, they're eight and 12 now, as you said, they have the win against Orlando here. You know, the East is not the West. So you, you win three or four and you, you kind of get back in that top seven here. My, my big concern always with this team is the minutes, man. Like you look at the minutes of this, this group with, you know, they've got four guys playing 35 plus minutes a night. And, I, I'm just worried for them. When does, does somebody break down here? You know, if it's Lowry or Van Vliet, um, You know, Siakam played well t- um, on on Sunday night. He had 30 points here, but um, I, I think they're a playoff team here. But I, I don't see them. I don't see them as a top five team in the, in the Eastern Conference right now. I, I think they'll. I think they'll, they'll. They'll turn it. They'll turn it around and they'll be above 500 when this thing is over. Um, but they're one of those teams like you know, with these expiring contracts and I don't think Kyle Lowry would be moved, but what do you do if you get to March 20th and you have continued to stumble and now you are just a playing team, you know, you just, you you roll with what you got, you know, Well, I'll tell you what, if Kyle Lowry
0: became became available, that would be a difference making player on the, on the trademark. And now I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, he's Mr. Raptor, but he's also a free agent. And, you know, I don't know, maybe they want to, they pay him $30 million this year. Um, Maybe they'll pay him 30 million next year. I don't know, but um, let's just, just leave that over there on the shelf uh, for discussion later on, because that is a rental player that could get interesting. And, you know, there's probably Raptor fans, and people in the Raptors organization screaming uh, into their phones right now if they heard that. But um, short of that, Kirk, where are you at with the Raptors?
1: Well, I think some context is warranted. The, the Raptors have developed this reputation as one of the most reliable 50-win teams in recent NBA history. And they've won 50 games in a row, I think, the last seven years. So we're used to them being really fundamentally sound, always having a great defense. Um, but I think – They're off to a really slow start. I don't think anybody there is happy with it, Um, but I'm not worried. Um, The Eastern Conference playoff picture has a soft heart. If you have a couple of flaws, you're not going to be turned away. Um, (laughs) If the Heat proved anything. Yeah, right? One of us. One of us. I think one lesson we learned from the Heat last year is that the hottest team in the postseason over there is going to can win that conference title. I'm not going to say they're going to get there, but I'm not worried that they're going to fall out of the playoff picture. And if any team deserves a pass, it's it's the team that's on an endless road trip right now. The right, team, the right. team that didn't know they were going to be playing in freaking Tampa, you know, a month. Before well, the, the concept was started. that
0: at least they were going to be in Florida and they could enjoy the weather, etc. But now with this new, with these restrictions, they're they can't leave their. I mean, they're not supposed to, right? I, th- I think they're maybe loosening a little bit, but. Are you allowed to play golf, Bobby? Right now, you're not even I allowed to play golf. I think so.
2: I think you can go out for a walk for an hour. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which I mean, you can't do that in Toronto necessarily this time of year. So I guess it's an advantage. But um, they're not even getting the bonus, you know, the one upside <laughs> they have, which is you know, being able to be in Florida in the winter.
1: Yeah, um, and I would say I would say this on the floor itself, Brian. You know, I think some of their veteran departures over the last not one year but two years. Are kind of catching up with them they that you said you said it, they lost Gasol and Baca that was their defensive identity especially in the front court um they they have this long-term reputation as a good defense but you go two years further obviously it was Kawhi and Danny Green that's a crazy group of hyper talented defensive veterans uh and I think some of that's starting to catch up with them uh and these these now they're an average defensive team I think they're going to turn it around. The East is just too forgiving in this sense. And they're too good. Uh, Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, Siakam has been awful at times, uh, but but he had a nice game today. Uh, so I think of the teams we're talking about, I'm least worried about Nick Nurse and the Toronto Rappers, like sort of flipping this around and getting back to, to the middle of the pack in the East.
0: Yeah, well, Nick has had to play some lineups this year that I think he hasn't seen <laughs> since he was in Belgium. <laughs> um, he loves telling the story about how in Belgium, you know, when he was like a first division team and you play a, a third division team, you would have to give up like 10 points on the scoreboard. There was like, there's some story he tells where he was down 30 to nothing to start the game or something. And um, if he can coach a, t- a team gets down 30 to nothing to start the game and win, he, he can coach this. So, um, it's a good point. Um, all right, some quick reminders that um, you guys can all turn into the Jump weekdays at 3 Eastern on ESPN or check out the Jumps podcast where they give you podcast exclusive content. And of course, First Take Her Take, which is co hosted by the friend of the show, Cheney gumoke And you can find all of those podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast or where you're listening to this podcast. Thank you to Kurt Goldsberry, thank you to Bobby Marks, thank you to Troy Farkas, who is our producer spinning the dials from home. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later in the week.